And as a result of that broadcast, the crisis has deepened dramatically. I'm joined by our crisis correspondent, Spartacus Mills. Spartacus, this is huge history happening, it, isn't it? It's bigger than that, Chris. It's large. I mean, if you've got a history book at home, take it out, throw it in the bin. It's worthless. The history books now will have to be rewritten. What will they say? They'll quite simply say, WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon is retiring. Everything else will be a footnote. A push for time. Can you sum it up in a word? No. A sound? <laughs> Spartacus, thank you. Let me tell you something. 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 Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Grapple fans, and welcome to a special episode, a Stop the Presses late, well not that late breaking now, but this is obviously not your anticipated episode of Ringside Accomplices. Instead, we'll be talking about the man who has been an accomplice in many situations that we won't get into, specifically. But this is essentially a follow-up to an episode that we did last year. What does a post-Vince McMahon WWE look like? And we have, at least in the legal sense of the term, entered this world now. As of Friday, the 22nd of July, very soon after the stock market closed, Vince McMahon announced on his Twitter feed that he will be retiring at the age of 77 years old. It's really hard to put into words. There's um, a book I'm reading at the moment called The Black Swan, which is written by a man who was uh, made his money through trades, you know, city trading, of a public intellectual. And he popularised this term. It's been around before, but he popularised it, of The Black Swan, which is when an event occurs that you could have really truly predicts it's happening that it's a rare event and it's a it's occurrence turns everything that we knew upside down almost instantaneously okay it's called a black swan because until in the western society until the discovery of australia it was assumed within those places of Europe and what have you, that all swans were white. That was a defining trait of a swan. And then when they reached Australia, they discovered black swans. <laughs> and so suddenly everything that they thought they knew about swans, and by a greater extent the animal kingdom, was turned on its head. And all previous wisdom was essentially moot. And that's before they got to the duck-billed platypus. Mm. To give you another example of something that I think you could argue is a black swan event, it's the current war that we have in 
between Russia and Ukraine. Because so few people predicted that this would actually happen. Mm. Even as they were amassing on the borders, it was always seen as this is just what Putin does every time. And really, at times, you do feel like this war only exists because one man wants it. And that might be because his brain has been warped these last couple of years. So He's gone mad in isolation. But also, all of the expectations that people had were then undermined. They didn't overtake Ukraine immediately. There was a resistance. And the way that it's gone is in a way that no one has expected. And as a result has completely turned the market upside down on a global scale. I mean, we've just had this grain exporting deal struck between Ukraine and Russia in order to prevent potential mass starvation, especially in Africa. Mm, Like Qatar as well. I think it's like 60-something percent of grain. Qatar of grain that's using Qatar comes from the Ukraine. But that's the point, though. Like, no one was expecting this to happen. And as a result, no measures were taken in advance to prevent it from happening or to be prepared for it happening. It's like in the book, because I'm only 50 pages into it, so I can't talk about it too much. But he says that, like, if someone had legislated it, if one politician had pushed it hard and hard and hard and hard, and then on the 10th of September 2001, it was finally implemented that every commercial plane, every plane had a bulletproof sealed cockpits then a black swan event would have been prevented but we'd have never known that and that person would have never been celebrated as a great all-conquering hero it would have been like viewed from a airport airplane manufacturer and airplane airplane operator perspective as a needless expense that would have then carried on into extra charges onto customers and so that person would have probably you know he said it could have affected their political career because there would have been no event to prove the necessity of that action. So it's funny because when I listen back to the what does a post Vince McMahon WWE look like, we basically went down, it had to be down two paths buyout or inheritance. Yeah. Because we thought it's basically impossible for Vince McMahon to retire unless there's health reasons. And even then, he wouldn't admit to his body that it, it was letting him down. Mm hmm. But instead, it was a particular part of his body that was letting him down. <laughs> yes. Again, all... Well, I, I don't know what's... Well, I don't know what's alleged and what's not, because there was a non-disclosure sign, so... If there's a non-disclosure being signed, then most of what's alleged is essentially, yes, that happened. Mm. Nine times out of ten. Well, the Wall Street Journal seemed pretty damn sure of themselves so basically everyone that's been following it who's a wrestling fan is looking at this decision and they're saying something's about to come out yeah and we've had the first inkling of that actually a couple of hours before we recorded this so this is coming out on thursday at the moment our plan is just to record this one part but who knows if something new happens in the time in between we're recording this on monday evening uk time so that's about monday afternoon america time and I don't know, next Thursday, Australia time, whatever the fuck's going on over there. <laughs> it's 2023 over there already. And... <laughs> Poor sods. <laughs> and I'd said this to you. Like, I said this to you when we were... Um, when the first step happened, which was Vince stepping down from 
the CEO role, but he was staying head of creative. I said that the key to this will be if he's cost the company money. Mm. Because as depressing as it is, for most businesses, you can screw over and use your power to abuse as many people, particularly women, as you like. But if you do it on the company dime, that's when there's problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, moralistic issues, that can be argued and and flipped over and, and not the toss argued. But financial issues, when, when you're tinkering with balance sheets and, li- and lining, well, other people's pockets with company money in this case that's that's just a black and white a no-no basically isn't it it's a tale as old as time it's something that's happened probably every day as long as there've been corporate any kind of structure of power mm. i imagine it's happened at least once every day across the world but my point about the black swan thing and i don't think that this is a black swan event i think preparations have always been in place now for us to go into a post vince wwe well that's what we were talking about but I don't think it was ever going to, you know, until this news story came out a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't seen as this would be the way it would happen. And as a result, I don't think that Triple H, I don't think that Stephanie, I don't think that anyone, even when they were at their most anticipatory, like, we've positioned ourselves well, Steph with the Women's Revolution, Triple H with the popularity of NXT... Even then, I think the general thought was that at best they would get to take over the company. Well, I was going to say, as Triple H's whole heart operation and him losing all that power and everything, that's all happened this year, hasn't it? I mean, what a crazy seven months. Shane McMahon basically flamed out at the Royal Rumble. It's mad to think that that's this year as well. Yeah, and has never been seen or heard from again. Stephanie gets kicked out and briefed against in to the to the press. Triple H has a serious near death experience operation and during his time of recovery he loses all positions of power that he had beforehand with no guarantee he was going to be able to claim much of anything back. Even a week ago he didn't have, when he came back and appeared at, at an NXT show there was no sense yet of what he was coming back to. Mm. And on top of that, he had to come to terms with not ending his career on his terms. I I imagine in his head, Triple H had a proper retirement match he would want to have had. Oh, you better believe it. My God, it would take up the whole WrestleMania show. It would be one of the two days. Day one's the entrance. Day two's the match. Very good. This is so early. And but I I kind of saw the writing on the wall up to a point uh, to an extent to not mark one off your bingo cards. When Vince did hand over the CEO position and just was then in charge of creative, because again you know I, I have been on a bit of a reading kick, and I don't think I've mentioned on this before, but I read this fantastic book. I recommend it to everyone. It's a it's a chunky lad. It's a big one. You saw it. Simon. I did, yes. But it is the best non-fiction book I've ever read, and maybe the best book I've ever read. Uh, people will be pleased to know if they can't hack the uh, the reading, there is a play of it as well. 
Yes, there was a play inspired at least by the same uh, by the same man, and I'm sure the book was a key source material to it. But yes, there was a play made about it recently at the National Theatre with uh, Ray Fiennes. And it's called The Power Broker by a journalist called Robert A. Caro. And it's like over a thousand pages long. And it's about a man who, over the course of about 10 years, 10 to 20 years, accumulated positions within the New York City public works. So that he first became in charge of the, the parks, the national parks in the, in the state of New York. Then he was able to get the park's role within New York City itself. And then he was able to extend that into being in charge of the roads. And then he was in charge of the public services. And he just accumulated all these different roles that essentially meant that every major decision to do with anything being built in the biggest city in the world had to meet his approval. And he accumulated this power and he would not relinquish it to anyone. And any loss that he would have, he would claim victory back tenfold later on. And he would just see it as another way that he's got to amass more power. And when people talk about systemic racism, this guy, uh, Robert Moses, his name was, when he designed it, he was taking a lot of land from like robber barons, you know, the, the Rockefellers of this world or whatever, 19th century wealth, who had just these masses of land and they weren't doing anything with it. The equivalent of the landed gentry here. And so to allow them to build it, they said, well, we don't want some undesirables coming to this park, you know, with the middle classes who deserve their, at their weekends out in the country after being in New York, they can come. So to make a deal, one of the things that he did was that the way that he designed the roads to get you from New York City to these parks was that essentially there'd be these bridges and, and you know, it'd be like Spaghetti Junction or something. There'd be bridges on top of bridges. And that the height of the road un going underneath another road going above it was so low that buses could not drive under. And so basically the people that they considered undesirables were the people that couldn't afford car transportation, could only afford to get there via buses. And if he made that impossible for them, ah. then they wouldn't come over. And he had other things like uh, where there was a swimming bath that was sort of equidistant from a white neighborhood and a black neighborhood. He'd make sure that the water was really cold because he had this belief that black people didn't like swimming in cold water. <laughs> So it's all these sort of things. And yet, like I said, he accumulated this power. And basically for 40 years, the most important city in the world was dictated by this man's tastes, this man's beliefs, this man's opinions. And as a result, that influenced basically every other major city in the world. I think one of the reasons that Birmingham's a bit of a concrete jungle throughout the reconstruction post-World War II until quite recently might be as much because of them trying to copy Robert Moses as anything else. Yeah. But what is fascinating is that he reaches his heights of powers, but then when he just sacrifices one bit of power, the, the cards start to fall. And the invulnerability is not there anymore. Because this guy was able to bully every New York governor, every New York mayor. FDR wasn't able to get one up on Robert Moses until he became president of the United States. Jesus. Basically. And so when when Vince gave up the CEO role, I said, I think this is the beginning of the end. I really do. 
Mm. And it came even quicker than I thought it was. But it didn't come... The thing is, Vince being in trouble for sexual misconduct didn't come as a surprise. And therefore, Vince then going after that didn't come as much of a surprise after he gave up one bit of power. But all of those things together, it's still shocking. This is essentially the biggest news story in the history of wrestling since at least WWF purchasing WCW. Probably bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. The possible only exception I'd give... Maybe Benoit? That's on a grander scale outside of wrestling, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, that's purely related to wrestling, I guess. I see what you're saying. The wrestling business, I think, will be affected more by Vince McMahon's departure than it was the Chris Benoit death. Although the Chris Benoit death did lead to uh, a tougher tightening on the whole wellness policies. Yeah. Because of the glare of the media. So, the first thing to be said is that, what is a post-Vince WWE going to look like? Well, don't expect, I mean, by the time this comes out, Raw will have been on. I would say, don't expect... Also, also, incidentally, tonight is the first time they return to the TV 14. Yes, that's a weird coincidence as well. Yeah. So that that can be a, a thing anyway, so there might be a shift in demeanour anyway that was planned. I personally don't think we're going back to the Attitude Era. I don't think we're going back to blood and and everything like that. You nearly said blood and guts, didn't you? Yes. I don't think we're going back to that yet. But as a quick aside, I do think we're going to see a WWE major event with a War Games match in it at some point now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It will finally relieve the uh, ghetto of NXT. But what I would say is don't expect everything to change instantaneously. I think, really, the first point that we can seriously sit down and look at it and see if we can identify what a true post-Vince WWE looks like, I would say the earliest you can look at that will be WrestleMania 40. How long away is that now? That's a year and a half away. A year and a half. Yeah, because things will take time to uh, work their way through. You need... Well, it's like in football management, you say you need a whole season, don't you? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, what's the equivalent of this event? I suppose one example I would give is post-Alex Ferguson. Both Man United, but also the Premier League in general. Yeah. And, And to a lesser extent, European football. English football, at least, has been defined by Alex Ferguson and Manchester United since 1993. Until, what, was that 2013 that he left? Twenty Yeah, 2013 that he left. Or was it 2013 and 2014? I can't remember which. 20 years of, of Ferguson and Man United being the definitive team of English football. And, it, and you still look at Manchester United themselves. They're still defined by the Ferguson era. Well, you know, Liverpool, until Jurgen Klopp, were defined by Shankly, Paisley and Dalglish. Yeah. And... Ferguson is essentially Shankly Paisley and Dalgleish put together. Or to give you another example, uh, Chicago Bulls post-Jordan, Pippin and Rodman. Rodman and Phil Jackson. It will take time to get any sense of where we are. And also, how post-Vince is this truly? Because God knows he's going to be watching Raw. God knows he's going to be emailing... Triple H, Stephanie, 
anyone else there like a fucking hundred thousand word bullet pointed email of everything they did wrong. He is also still the majority shareholder. Yes. That's a key thing as well. Everyone who's talked about this that I've spoken to is like, well, that has basically said the same thing you've just said. Titles are all well and good, but there's a line I alluded to, because I, I also today re-listened to our uh, What Does Post Vince WWE Look Like? That Freddie Prince Jr. said, this is Vince's toy box. These are his toys. He's not going to like someone else playing with his toys. It's going to end up being a bit like uh, Alan Partridge in the caravan when everyone else is reminiscing the Bond film. Stop doing Bond wrong! There's going to be some key things to look at, I think. The fate of Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn. That's a key point. If yeah. either of them get fired anytime soon or leave, more so Kevin Dunn than Bruce Pritchard, that will be a case of Triple H and Stephanie put showing a certain amount of power. Now, are they even necessarily in the mood to be accommodating to Vince now? Because like I said, he doesn't hold power. He can't come back and say, I'm going to take over. Well, he can in theory with the shareholding ownership, but I don't know how the board of directors thing works. Yeah. You've got to, you know, it was like trying to get Boris Johnson out of office or trying to get Donald Trump out of office. You have to get them prying their fingers from the door hinges to get them out. Yeah. And that would have been the same with Vince. So that's how bad this is. And like I said, when Vince loses that power, he loses that aura. I mean, so many people have made the joke online of him standing in the shop going, ketchup, catsup, ketchup, catsup. I'm in way over my head. <laughs> But there's a lot of truth to that. I do I do wonder where Vince goes mentally at this point. He's I can't imagine he has a lot of friends. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of activities. This was my I made a joke about it to you, I think, in a text, which was, you know, uh Trump's gonna be looking for a VP in twenty twenty four. See, I wouldn't rule it out. No, he wouldn't be his vice president, but I can I would not be surprised if he was on a a wise man's like a, a board of advisors. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump's like, who am I going to have produce my shows? Who's going to produce the Republican convention that year? Why not Mr. WrestleMania? Why not the guy who put on those shows? I would not be surprised if Vince got engaged in that in some way, shape or form. Part of me thinks he'll, um, try and do the world bodybuilding federation again. No, 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 no. He couldn't. He couldn't do that. He wouldn't own the rights to it anyway, I suppose. That would still be the WWE unless he wanted to buy it out from them. Yeah. We were also talking, obviously, about the sale aspect of it. And the fact that Nick Khan is still on board, that's the other big power struggle. You don't have co-CEOs. Yeah. Someone goes out of those two. You would assume that Stephanie has the power from the sense of Triple H is a key figure. She has the McMahon name. But does the McMahon name become somewhat poisonous? Mm. She was there sitting next to her dad at the UFC event a couple of days ago. Well, Trips was there too, wasn't he? Yep. Nick Khan wasn't. Yep. I was saying, though, because some people say, would this speed up the sale? I don't know if I'm right here, because, you know, we're just spitballing. But I would say, weirdly, it both does and doesn't, in that I think that it increases the likelihood of a sale. But it decreases the likelihood of it happening anytime soon. Like, if it was going to happen, 
in the next 18 months whilst Vince was in charge, it would have been because a crazy amount of money was being offered to him. Yeah. Now, any potential buyer is going to put on the brakes, see where the lay of the land is, and they might be able to save themselves a billion dollars in a year's time if revenue streams are going down or something. Well, you messaged me uh, a few hours before we were recording, just looking at a, a quick like screen screenshot of the share price, which increased today. Only slightly. And today was the first full trading, full day of trading since the announcement. You were, you mentioned it. It was announced on Friday after the U.S. markets had closed. That was deliberate. They absolutely intended to do it then because of the share price, which suggests that Vince knew he was going to retire. At least a day or two before yeah. this announcement, retiring, you know, the biggest of inverted commas. Because it isn't a retirement. It, it's a resignation by, by, by another name, isn't it? But retirement is so definitive. That does say I'm not coming back. I mean, of course, this is wrestling. God knows how many people have lost retirement matches. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in the business world, these things mean a lot. You know, you can't give it up. You can't... You look at, like, Bernie Eccleston, 91, until quite recently, was still, like, the key voice behind Formula One. Rupert Murdoch, I think he's also in his 90s, still the head of Fox News and, and whatever... News Corp, or whatever the name is, of whatever he has left since he sold most of it to Disney. I, I think people like that can't let go you work so hard to build the thing you're not going to give it up yeah it defines you you've made too much money to be able to actually spend it yeah unless you unless you do a bill gates in which that you retire from your official job in order to spend the money that you've accumulated onto courses that mean something to you yeah so you become full-time philanthropist maybe that's what vince will go into potentially could become like a make a head of the board on the Make a Wish Foundation again. Would they want to touch him? They like, ain't going to touch him. That's at the, the problem, you know. Maybe if he'd have retired, maybe if he'd have sold the company, then he could have found these positions in these different role, these different companies. And, and again, we, we're still in the infancy of this because more is going to come to light. We, we said it already in this, but for for Vincent Kennedy McMahon to retire there has got to be something very very insidious about to be unveiled basically yeah i mean i don't know i do wonder if it's just the money that's been the thing that killed it off that there are enough ndas out there to silence the worst of it and that they can you know and they'll keep throwing enough money at the problem to prevent the stink because it will hurt the company's image as well if they keep if these things yeah. keep building up so it might be that this is them stemming the blood flow you know they've stemmed it by literally hacking the limb off and putting a <laughs> you know tourniquet on it yeah but you have to remember they are still taking all that saudi money well there's the thing these are these things that they might change because i think stephanie is a lot more pr savvy than vince is yeah. There are striking similarities between her and Vince as there are with Ivanka and Donald Trump. It's it's really hard to say. When you listen back to that previous one, I kind of speculated that maybe Stephanie doesn't even want to do this kind of thing anymore. The fact that she's taken this role on suggests that I was wrong. Yeah. I'm still not sure that she sees it as a long-term thing. She might genuinely just be with working alongside Nick Khan and them steering the company till it's strong, 
enough to be sold off without Vince as the final stickler to it. Because that's what I said, like, Vince could sell the company, but at the same time he could not. I mean, you were expecting it to be inheritance, so you were, I assume, predicting at least, you know, health issues aside, another 10 years of Vince McMahon in charge of the company. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if he, if he, did, if he was still running it in the same way that Rupert Murdoch's running News Corp, then that would have meant Vince McMahon still being in charge of the WWE in 2036. Yeah. My expectations prior to about five and a bit weeks ago were he's not going to let this go. The only thing that will stop him is his body eventually failing him. And I, I, I pictured him being on his deathbed, being really frustrated that he couldn't get to Raw that week. You got this idea of him on a, on a bed in the gorilla position. Yeah, basically. No, no, because he wouldn't want people to see him like that. I think he'd be like in an office just ringing in. But I had no expectation that he would ever retire or resign or cede any power. Unless unless he knew something was like terminal and maybe from a business perspective he would give slightly more responsibility to someone. We always thought that someone was going to be Triple H or Steph and then it looked like they were persona non grata with him. Only a couple of months ago. Yeah. And it did, you know, there are all the memes going around of Nick Khan going up the Mortal Kombat tournament charts. <laughs> Nick Khan staying suggests that the sale is still the, the end goal to me. Mm. So, we can't really talk so much about the business because there's only so much that we know. Yeah. I do wonder, though, because I don't know that... We were saying that if they're going to be sold, it would be to a media conglomerate. It would be to an NBC Universal, which seemed like the logical one. Well, they've got a foot in the door, haven't they? Yeah. Or it could be a Viacom or whatever it is that Paramount falls under now. Or it could be Disney. Probably won't be Disney, but it could be Disney. Yeah. I don't know that I'm 100% sure on that anymore. Because I was thinking, if I was a venture capitalist firm, and those are the places that give you the money to buy those pe- those things. You know, when Elon Musk was trying to buy Twitter, he wasn't buying it from his own money. No. He was still having to source that 40 whatever billion dollars he was going to get. So those are the companies that get it, but they need a front, just as that was going to be Elon Musk for that purchase. And if it's a success, I would not be shocked if in a couple of years' time, a venture capitalist firm or some sort of consortium purchases WWE with their figurehead and percentage stake owner being one Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I could see it. I could see him being the figurehead. Where I'm at with media in general is it's quite clear that people are moving away from just that binge TV series model. People are moving away from just using series as content. They need consistent content. That's why Amazon went so hard for the Thursday night games. That's why today uh, the NFL is trying to, like, you know, um, create its own destiny with its own streaming platform. Um, That's why, like, most seasons now aren't released all at once. It's still weekly episodes on a streaming platform because people just aren't interested. It's sport and to a lesser degree, sports entertainment. That will be the driver because you can't, you have to catch it live. It's must see television, whether or not it's actually must see television in terms of the the quality that we're getting. That's by the by, but it's no coincidence that 
some streaming platforms are moving more towards gathering up as much sport as they physically can. At the same time, Netflix is considering introducing a lower tier where there are ad breaks. Like they need to drive revenue for somewhere. Netflix hasn't like moved into the sporting world yet, apart from documentaries. I imagine if they, they could, if they would, like because it's it's free content where people have to have live eyeballs on it. Mm. So much money was spent on so much content. I mean, is it literally a billion dollars is going to be spent on that Lord of the Rings series for Amazon? Yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, I guess if Amazon owned the merchandising and everything to it as well, then there probably is a billion dollars worth of revenue from that. But you look at some of the things that Netflix was spending money on. I think that Netflix spent something crazy like $6 billion on original content. Yeah. For example, I think they spent like $200 million on the Marco Polo series from a few years ago. Never watched it. Exactly. There's no way that that show generated $200 million worth of revenue for them. Mm. And I don't see how you could have seen it would have done that in the first place. Some of the things that they've thrown so much money at kind of boggles the mind. I mean, God knows. I mean, to be fair, it made sense when they spent shit tons of money on Seinfeld or Friends. Yeah. I heard this statistic that apparently a few years ago when they were both on Netflix... 11% of all US streaming on Netflix was for either Friends or The Office. Mm. The the American Office. I can believe that. 11% of everything that was being streamed on Netflix. And you think that's got to be accounting for like four episodes as the equivalent of a film. Four, well, six, really. Yeah. But at this point of everything being merged together and also belt tightening... Streaming services are... It's its a harsher market out there to keep the guaranteed audience. I don't know. I cannot for the life of me understand why Paramount thought now is the time to bring out Paramount+. Plus. I think why every network's doing it is to protect their own content and be more in control of their own destiny. Well, I would have thought the best way to do it is to do... is Say what you will about Vince McMahon. As a storyteller, as a wrestler, uh, as a wrestling storyteller as a TV producer, he was a savvy businessman when it came to media. Mm. He saw these things. I'm not saying he's the only one that could have seen it. He's not the black swan, to put it into terms. The WWE wasn't a black swan particularly, but it did turn things upside down. But the way that the national syndication of television was going in the 80s, someone was going to make a national wrestling promotion. Vizeman didn't put on the first pay-per-view closed-circuit show. That was the NWA with Starcade. So he didn't invent pay-per-views, wrestling pay-per-views. That was not a Vince McMahon creation. He wasn't the first one making dynamic television shows in the early 80s and the mid-80s that was more exciting. There was wrestling at the chase. There was world-class championship wrestling where they would even have cameramen in the ring. There was Bill Watts' Mid-South Wrestling. They were making a television product every bit as exciting as the WWE. What the WWE did that really improved things in was when they made the deal with NBC and he worked with Dick Ebersole and he learned the better value of production. Because mm. if you look at the production value on WWF TV from about 84 to 86, 87, it's barely any better than the NWA. Yeah. It really isn't that much better. But then they get the Saturday Night Live and then by the time you're looking at like Wrestling Challenge 1989, 1990, sort of the time that I came into wrestling fandom the gap in production quality was 
absolutely huge, and it didn't get narrowed until Eric Bischoff got involved. Yeah. When we did the Meltzer project, obviously, I, I ended up having uh, watching a few early 90s and late 80s WCW or NWA pay-per-views, like Wrestle War 86 for the Flair Steamboats and what have you. They, they look more dated than the WWE equivalents around that time. Because of the lighting, essentially, and the, and the graphics and the production yeah. value. And they didn't put as much emphasis behind it, probably due to budgetary plot reasoning, but also because their attitude was, we wrestle. And obviously the thing with Vince McMahon was that he was trying to remove as much of the wrestling out of wrestling as he could get away with, essentially. That's the uh, famous Ted Turner phone call, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's not get into that. A friend of mine did text me saying you can't really make that Monday Night's War movie anymore. I was like, I think you can. Yeah. Because Vincent Mann is not the hero of that story. No. In his mind he is, but the way that you would tell it. Although I do think now that maybe the best way to tell this story would be through a musical. <laughs> Proceed. Tell me more. I'm not going to go. I'm not, we'll save that for another episode. Oh, okay. okay. But, but Vince is the last of a particular breed. I mean, someone was saying... I was watching the Wrestling with the Regret discussions about it, and they were saying, he's kind of the last carny. He's kind of the last huckster. Yeah. Nowadays, your carnies are doing it through accountancy <laughs> dealings and, mm. and and share dividend schemes. Yeah. Vincent Man would be the one that would say, say something to your face and then, you know, do the bait and switch at the pay-per-view. Well, are influencers carnies, like major ones? not really there is there is obviously a bit of there's obviously a presentation to it but my my, i guess my mean is within the traditional americana sense you know the circuses aren't really there anymore no the vaudeville theaters aren't there anymore you're traveling a snake oil salesman don't exist well they do just in different guises i guess yes they're they're selling crypto online oh they're asking uh, asking for you to uh tithe to their mega church but those are also people in there. Well, mega churches, I suppose, is the other example of that. But that's a different thing entirely. That's to the side of it. That's that's not through entertainment, or at least they wouldn't claim it being through entertainment. That would be through a higher calling. They're using entertainment within it, but they're not claiming that they're entertainers first and foremost. They're telling they're claiming that they're the voice of God or whatever. They know full well what they're doing. <laughs> and obviously, Vince McMahon is a man that literally did the Triple H spitting of water from the fucking yeah. <laughs> He's a man that obviously has some very, probably unusual opinions about God and religion that he kind of tries to keep to himself and occasionally it comes slipping out. <laughs> but he's the one that comes from the tradition of carnies because you, you say all those influencers are carnies. They didn't come, their, their daddy wasn't an influencer, their granddaddy wasn't an influencer. So my guess is that no. point, he comes from that lineage, you know? He's the last of the promoters within the territories. Mm. And he was just the one that killed all the other ones off, you know? So it's like Highlander. Yeah, in many ways he was. The Garniers aren't there anymore. The Blanchards don't run one place. The Funks don't run one place. The Von Erics. The Jarrett's don't run a place. The Hart. Well, one does now, sort of. In a bit. The Hart. The Hearts don't run one place, etc., etc. I mean, I don't think the business practices will change, except that maybe they will think twice about doing stuff with a place like Saudi Arabia again. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, as I've said, with the reason that Vince lost his job more than anything seems to be because of the money he now owes the company mm. than what it actually did to some human beings. Well, and it's a lot of quarter, it's like three or four quarterly statements they're reviewing, aren't they? 
to try and get this money back. It seems they want every last penny of it. I'm sure, well, you know, if Vince sells the company, again, that could expedite a sale quicker. Vince will still have a lot of money in the bank at some point. I don't know what he'll do now. I don't know if he'll sell off a portion of his shares, maybe. I don't know. In my head, again, just my opinion, I can't see Vince wanting any other man or anyone else within that company to ever have more shares than him. So... It would be a wholesale sell or nothing. He wouldn't do anything by halves. There's no. There's not going to be a half. There's not going to be like, oh, uh, I'll forty percent of my portfolio all go. Nah, it's not going to happen like that. But that means that he then ultimately does have to okay a sale. I would have thought if you've got the voting share. Yeah. Does that mean that he's now calling in on the board meetings every quarter? <laughs> We've got a Vince from Connecticut on line one. Oh no! Oh Christ. <laughs> It is going to be fascinating to see where we're going. Like, it boggles my mind that in March 2021, we recorded that Vince episode of what does a Vinceless WWE look like. And the fact I'm getting to see it so play out so soon, I'm fascinated. Mm. But again, like I said, like that Black Swan, it's not happening in a way that anyone anticipated. No. With a grumpy 77-year-old Vince McMahon forced to sit in the living room watching raw for the first time in yeah 35 years or whatever it is you know like maybe he doesn't just doesn't watch any of it now maybe he does like go cold turkey i don't see how he can not it's very unlikely but we're in very unlikely territory right now. yeah and what's also funny is like if you look at in this country we've just had after months of anticipation of it happening, we're losing one prime minister and we're getting another one. Mm. And how quickly Boris Johnson has gone from being the figure of all, like a, a totem for a lot of anger. And he's been that even before 2019 when he became prime minister. He's been that essentially since 2016 with the Brexit debates. Yeah. And now he's a lame duck and he's irrelevant. And I don't even know if people care enough to hate him anymore. That he's so quickly just off the front pages, and now it's Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. Vying and, contendership, yeah. Yeah, and how time waits for no one, really. That a Trump is now struggling to maintain the grip that he once had. We still don't know of a certain one way or the other if he's going to have enough within him to get the nomination again in 2024. But it looks a lot less likely now than it did, you know, only six or seven months ago. My personal opinion is that's Ron DeSantis's to lose. I think it all depends on how many other people enter it. Because you've got to remember that when Trump was accumulating the wins at the start... There was like 10 people, wasn't there? Yeah, there was more than 10 people. There were literally had to hold two debates. Like there was like a, a pre... <laughs> like the G1! <laughs> No, but it was like, I think it was like 17 people were running, like high profile, Mm-mm. like governors and, and that were, and they were having to, seven of them would have to do the debate before the debate. Yeah. And then what, I think the woman who ran Hewlett Packard, she was able to like step up to the, the other debate with the top 10. And so because of that, at that point, Donald Trump had like 33% of the votes. Yeah. And everyone else had like 10% at best. Uh, although Ted Cruz did win iowa which donald trump then disputed that's the thing that will happen 
if Ron DeSantis does beat Trump in the presidential election, like I said, it'll essentially need to be a two two person race. Yeah. Which might also be happening if Joe Biden tries to run again. There might be one person that decides, one or two people that decide to stick their head above the parapets mm. and actually give a serious challenge, which hasn't happened to a sitting president since Ted Kennedy challenged Jimmy Carter in 1980. And also Reagan challenged Ford in 76. Yeah. And there will be like, every time I think Bill Clinton and them will run, you know, some nobody congressman will register but won't get to debate them or anything you know, mm. they don't mm. get anywhere and it's just a procession so we're still up at the air but, but even then if trump does lose it then the power just starts to ebb away from them and they just become increasingly irrelevant who the fuck talks about george w bush anymore no one who talks about dick cheney no one exactly who talks about who talks about barack obama that much really not many people who the hell talks about Theresa May. <laughs> she gets a couple of memes these days yeah. of her just yeah. looking at she is, of her loving life at Boris's um, fall from grace. I think I shared one with you the day that it happened that she was at Wimbledon in like the the royal box, the, yeah, yeah, enjoying a gin and tonic with a subtitle saying, "Not as easy as it looks, is it, fuckface?" <laughs> but you know what I mean, like as, as someone who has any political value, it's like that great scene in the thick of it where Rebecca Frunk's character gets kicked out as leader of the Labour Party. Mm. And she said, I'm a grandee of the party, or something like that. And, you know, Malcolm Tucker just comes in and goes, you're not a fucking grandee. You're a fucking no one. You know, as soon as, like I said, if you read The Power Broker, as soon as that power slips from you, you know, it's the it's Toto pulling the curtain open. Yeah. Revealing what the wizard actually is. It's the Emperor's New Clothes after the, after the kids said it. It's like, oh, well, everyone can say it now. Look. <laughs> Imagine if Vince starts getting, like, literally turns into the cranky Vince Twitter accounts, like, <laughs> live tweeting Raw and SmackDown about everything that they're doing wrong. Oh, God. I could see him getting active on Twitter. I, I, could I? I don't know. I say Conrad Thompson needs to get in touch with him. Hey, Vince. Oh, my God. If he lands that, he is made. He is a made man. Well, if Vince is looking for $16 million to drop down, hey, Tony Khan, fancy getting a new uh, heel manager for AEW? Look, we, we, let's make it clear. We are not talking about this any ever happening. What I will say, actually, is I would say that I'm increasing from a likelihood of 1% to a likelihood of 10 to 15%. With Vince going and Triple H taking over, I will go 10% odds that we will see a card involving WWE and AEW talents. Oh. 10% chances, I'm saying. But that's 10 times more likely than it was when Vince was gone. Mm. Because if Triple H wants to do things that says, this is my promotion now, there are things you do. You get rid of Kevin Dunn, you get rid of their filming techniques, you allow people to say wrestling, you allow people to say belts. Yep. Michael Cole without Vincent Mann shouting in his headphones will be fascinating to follow. My, an, unbr- an unbridled Michael Cole with Pat McAfee is something to look forward to. Well, I can see Michael Cole. I think he already was looking to step away maybe from the front line and be the backstage producer. Mm. If Triple H likes him, Triple H wasn't particularly nice to him when he was co-commentating with him on a during lockdown on a smackdown so maybe maybe michael's another one of those people like kevin dunn that's you know 
to quote Tom York, when I am king, you will be first against the wall. Yeah. With your opinion, which is of no consequence at all. Yeah. Do they lay off of doing anything significant yet? Because they don't want to get it in the neck from Vince, and they kind of want to keep the continuation? Or do you stamp your vision of wrestling and what what WWE should be as quickly as possible by removing as many of the soap opera writers as you can and suddenly the creative meetings in WWE for Raw and SmackDown aren't being populated by soap opera writers, sitcom writers, but they're being populated by Shawn Michaels, Matt Bloom, Steve Carino, Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, maybe you'll try and bring him back in. Oh, maybe. I think you wait. You wait for the next story to drop, and then you drop your hammer and make your changes. I don't see how that makes a difference now. They'll know what the stories are. Vince either is or is never going to come back, and he's never going to come back. So, what again, what power does Vince ultimately have outside of shareholder ownership? But the biggest shareholder, if they're not in the role of responsibility, you can't fire anyone from that. Mm. I don't know how hirings and firings work in that sense. Obviously, it's, again, as is so, I think I said in the past how wrestling weirdly has a way of echoing what really happens. You know, throughout 96 and 97, there are all these storylines about Bret Hart being screwed over on screen from yeah. the title at like the 97 Royal Rumble and various other ways. And it, him saying, everyone's out there trying to screw me. Him having the wrestling match with Austin that's a submission match. And at one point, Austin gets him in the sharpshooter. And. Someone saying, imagine Bret Hart submitting to his own move and Mm. Vince saying, hey, it could happen. (laughs) You know, it's just these weird, like on a subconscious level, do they know what's going to happen at some point? So when they they do that storyline after CM Punk wins the title and Triple H comes out and relieves Vince of his duties because the board of directors have decided that his decision-making has been far too problematic. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I was like, you know what? This might happen one day. And it fucking has. Mm. <laughs> it's insane. Although, we must put out that storyline uh, did involve Vince's restoration to power not too long after. It did. Because Triple H kind of flamed out, I don't know. I reckon that's what Vince will think will happen. I think there'll be an element of no one can do it as good as I can do it. He might be right. He might be right. Ultimately, there is no central voice making every decision about the company now so there are going to be conflicts here's a key thing one of the other things to look at as i was saying is kevin dunn where's kevin dunn in 18 months time where is bruce pritchard where you know what position are the women in that's a key thing will they Mm. be pushed back into prominence outside of becky lynch bianca belair will they gain more and more prominence because that was apparently always what stephanie genuinely was pushing for and there's been you know ups and downs with that in recent years if you look at the women that they're pushing on NXT now, it's not, you know, again, you look at someone like Nikita Lyons or, or what have you, it seems to be going back to what John Lauren Or Knight Tiffany Stratton. Liked. There's Tiffany another one. Stratton. Yeah. Here's a question. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. The creative head has changed now, officially, as of today. Mm-hmm. What happens with the Sasha Banks situation now, then? That's another question, because God knows there's different levels of unprofessional. And that's the question. Does WWE become much more attractive, not just to people who left or, or you know, recently left, to AEW talents? Mm. Suddenly, it's not Vince you're having to deal with anymore. You don't have to be, like, just a body guy. I know that's not it, 
but there's still that preconception that you still do have to be tall. Yes. Well, so Darby, so for example, Darby Allen. I don't think I. I think if I was Darby, I would stick with AEW. I'm thinking more people like John Moxley. <laughs> Triple H isn't going to tell you that you have to do a promo where you cut where you're injecting needles into yourself and you're getting inoculated. Triple H isn't going to tell you to mouth off or make fun of your friends. Best one of your best friends is cancer. Yeah, Triple H isn't going to make you shoot ketchup and mustard at someone. Mm. I think Triple H will definitely be willing to be more collaborative with wrestlers. Because that's probably what he wanted. But he'll still have his blind spots. I know that Chris Jericho said that he had to fight really hard with Triple H over how they presented the list of KO angle. Yeah. Like the the way they had to present it and everything. And Triple H just kind of wanted to cut through it. So... Triple H might have blind spots too. Triple H is the man who insisted that their match go last at WrestleMania 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fortunately, Triple H doesn't have that. But that's the other thing. That was what I was going to get to before you interrupted me. Because it's gone all over the place. Kevin Dunn, etc. Where will Theory be now? Oh. In six months' time. And will he maybe even be allowed to be Austin Theory again? No, I, this, I'll, I'll go backwards. There's a much stronger chance that people get to have two names again. There's a much stronger chance of that, I believe. Where will Theory be? I mean, I I don't watch enough of the product on a week-to-week basis to have my own assessment of the man. But you know the way that he is being protected right now, and I said it, it's reminiscent of how Randy Orton was being treated when he came onto the main roster. Mm. How Roman Reigns was being treated how Brock Lesnar was being treated. Yeah. Well, Brock Lesnar was an even greater case because they put the belt in him within five months. But there's a clear sense that Vince saw Austin Theory as a prospect, the likes of which he hadn't seen at least since Roman Reigns, mm. in the prominence that he was being placed in these roles and is still being placed and seemed to be was getting set up to be the person that John Cena put over at SummerSlam. Yeah, I... <sighs> but is Vince the only one that sees that? Possibly. There is still an injury crisis. Is Bray Wyatt going to come back suddenly? Oh, there's a question. There's a really big question. Does Triple H really want to bring in MJF and give him the freedom that Vince would never have given him Mm. and be that shop window that suddenly makes AEW talent a bit more like, well, I have options elsewhere. This could be great for wrestlers that could move backwards and forwards. Oh, yeah. But suddenly... WWE will always have more money to guarantee you. And if it doesn't have the crazy Vince McMahon mood swings ADHD, then you don't worry about your position and having to do dumb stuff, maybe. Maybe that'll be a key thing with Triple H. That what he'll make sure that he has is logical storylines, people not doing dumb Vince McMahon shit. And you know what the dumb Vince McMahon shit is. And you didn't see that much of that on Triple H's version of NXT. Mm. I'm not convinced that Triple H's WWE's and WrestleMania's are going to be headlined by people who look like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. We'll have to wait and see, but I think that what Vince was doing with NXT was trying to cater to the specific us audience. Like I said, I always saw NXT as like the equivalent of an HBO original show. Or, you know, those Netflix specials that, like, cater towards a very niche audience because they know that that will keep them in, whereas all the other films and everything gets everyone else in. Yeah. That there has to be a calibre of quality 
the, the more discerning, for lack of a better term, fan will keep tuned in. Mm. You know, because it can't just be the archives that will keep someone like us involved. No. Because now that NXT isn't can't miss, or at least the takeovers aren't can't miss anymore, then, you know, we would uh, have to... I don't know. We we go as well. I mean, I don't know. I'm not subscribed to the network anymore. No, I dip in and out with other people's subscriptions off their goodwill, but it's not a necessity for me anymore. I'd much rather watch AEW stuff. But this will be. I don't think I don't think you can ever make a three hour wrestling TV show be a properly good show all the, all the way through. So I don't think there's going to come a point where Raw is as consistently good as Dynamite is consistently good. As long as it's three hours long. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I I think you're, we're going to have... There's more of a statistical likelihood you will see a good Raw. Or you'll see a Raw without stuff that makes you want to pull your hair out in anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not going to be a Hell in a Cell match that ends in a DQ. <laughs> no, because uh, uh, X-Pac does have Triple H on speed dial. That's a thought. Sean Waltman, there's another one you want in, in your circle of... Um, yeah, he, he, he is a very good mind. I've listened to some of his podcast stuff. He is, him and Nash, I do rate as minds. I'll tell you who else he's probably looking at how long his contract is with the other side, William Regal. Oh, definitely. Yeah, William Regal is now even more hot property than he was before. Put it this way, like, how much did Alistair Black love being Alistair Black in NXT? And how much did he hate being Alistair Black on WWE TV for the most part? Hmm. The guy who was in charge of him on NXT is now in charge of the main comp- part of the roster. Yeah, it's... Um... Whenever Malachi Black's contract runs out, it's not like he's been... He's had his moments in AEW. But as everyone has always said, it's just a kid... If anyone now has the ADHD and, and loses interest in their in their toys, it's Tony Khan. It's not Vince McMahon. Uh, a little bit at the minute, yeah. I, I do think with the House of Black, there's something long-term brewing. I just don't quite know what it is or how exactly it'll pay off. Well, let's not talk about that. That's just I'm just making the point. Yeah. The WWE is instantly It's it's a more attractive option, is what you're saying. If not more attractive, at the moment it's much more intriguing. Yeah. The chances of us seeing Dean Ambrose there again has probably gone up from one percent to twenty percent. 20% still means it's unlikely to happen, Simon. I know, so I know. I, I... And not necessarily on a full-time contract. Not necessarily on a full-time contract, but maybe for a year. Yeah. Having read the autobiography, I'd put it, I'd still put it at 10. But Well, here's the question. <sighs> TV 14, I guess that that would just mean maybe more swearing. I don't think it's going to lead to like the old days of bra and panties matches and women suddenly wearing thongs. Well, that's moved, we've moved on from that. <laughs> but I think there will be more edgy swearing you'll hear some shits maybe not to the level of AEW TV yeah. let's be fair to them they've kind of dialed back on that but I think that he will try I think they will experiment with what the reaction will be to blood mm. I think we'll see bloodshed at least once on a WWE TV show Within the next 18 months. And by that you mean planned blood. Planned blood, but they might not tell anyone that it was planned blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, but the thing is, like, Triple H may not be head of creative within three years. No. For for a variety of reasons. Another health scare, a sale, 
a power struggle that he loses to Nick Khan. Him figuring that it's not actually what he wanted. He wants to move into the corporate role. He prefers the talent relations thing. Who knows? Mm. I'll be curious to see what he's like with his talent because that was one of the things he was doing with NXT as well. He was building this kind of devotional following to him where all these guys like Champa, like Sasha Banks and Bailey would, you know, walk barefoot across glass yeah. for him because he needed to cultivate that image. If suddenly he's at the top of the mountain and there's nowhere else for him to go, it's like that's the key thing, really, that the power broker and Robert Caro kind of has been the basis of his writings because after he finished the power broker, he's now been writing for like the last 40 years a multi-part biography of Lyndon Johnson. Mm. And his ultimate, and he's seen as like the expert of political power, how it's gained, how it's wielded, how it's lost. And everyone always says that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. What Robert Caro argues, and I agree with this, is that power doesn't corrupt, power reveals. Mm. Power reveals the morally corrupt people that now can get away with it once they have the power. Have the ability to do so, yeah. So Triple H and Stephanie are now in these positions of power that they've never been in before, and they've had to play nice with certain people, or at least to their dad, or at least figures in charge. And obviously now Dax Harwood has his stories of his treatment by Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Yep. Maybe that's what everyone's going to kind of get now, or more people are going to witness when they don't have to answer to anyone at any point anymore. It's my way or the highway. That is true. We might see a darker side to uh, Triple H. He's definitely got. I'm gonna have a lot more plates to spin. He's not writing one brand anymore. He's he's writing three. He may delegate, but he'll oversee three brands. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna to micro. One. That's one thing I do think we won't see anymore. You won't see stories of him saying, "Let's rip up this script and and start again." Because if he is head of creative, then that means he probably is covering it over the seven days. From what I understand, with Vince, he essentially turns up on the Monday, sees the script for Raw, and says, "Well, we're not doing all of that." Turns up on Tuesday, sees the script for SmackDown, and says, "Well, we're not seeing all of that." You know, we're, we're changing yeah. it all. My guess is that Triple H is not the person of that temperament to do that because as a wrestler he probably he probably experienced the nightmare of having to suffer through that himself yeah and also he doesn't have that level of responsibility he's not Mm. all of it steph's got a lot of that but then if they do stuff and the ratings go down then there can be edicts from people in other positions of power within the company to say you need to change your creative outlook yeah which vince it was ultimately vince that had to tell that to vince (laughs) although admittedly in the past he's had head-to-heads especially during the monday night wars era with the um executives of the networks like the usa network they will say you need to change raw and you need to do this and that Mm. oh still vince always listened to his tv companies well you have to keep them sweet there's an extent that vince would listen to anyone ultimately yeah because if the weird little voice in vince's head says anything to the contrary he's gonna go with that weird little voice oh yeah I mean, I think we just need to walk... We've, we've talked this until we're exhausted. And, you know, we've, we've barely scratched the surface of all this. And once again, this is a developing story. Absolutely. I tell you what we should definitely do is, after WrestleMania 40, say, what does the post-Vince look, WWE look like? So far. If there is one. Yeah. So far. We should maybe come back to this every three to six months. Or maybe an even bigger story will come out. And, I mean, I've always said, I had this idea of us doing, like, a year-long project of trying to figure out Vince McMahon's mind through various different avenues. Mm. 
I mean, you can argue that there's a there's an end to the story now. It's not the end that he ever wanted. I think it's interesting that it's been the year that he's been a bit more visible anyway, both, you know, turning up at WrestleMania, talking to Pat McAfee. Yeah. Having the match with him, taking the worst Stone Cold stunner that anyone's <laughs> ever taken. Doing stuff on screen with Austin Theory. And then for the last couple of weeks, walking out defiantly as if he hadn't done jack shit. Yeah. Because I'll say this right now. I will never, ever, ever, ever say with sincerity, thank you, Vince. I will never say that. I might praise things that he did, but I've repeated myself on this point plenty of times in this podcast. I do believe that Vince McMahon is fundamentally a bad person. Yeah. When you weigh the goods against the bad, I think he comes out on the bad side. There seems to be this thing now, and maybe it's always been the case, and obviously I've only just like recently become aware of it, but everyone wants the people that creates their things, that their mediums that they enjoy, be it television, be it film, be it sports entertainment, be it sport. Everyone wants a pristine creator, someone who like lives a whiter than white life. Well, that's not going to happen for two reasons. One, people are people, and some are good, some aren't. And two, those who live the whiter than white lives, are they the best creators? What have they experienced? I think that that can be used as an excuse to get away with very bad behaviour. So I I, wouldn't want to go down that path too hard. I think it's been wielded as such. It isn't an excuse for bad behaviour, but it has been wielded as such. Yes, by bad people who want to get away with their badness. Hence, so much of what's been happening for the last six years with our politics and the man that's been the cause of it ultimately going out. I mean, when he he came to power, you would have seen this. I mean, I can timestamp it or show it the day that boris johnson came to power i wrote on facebook this will only end in tears didn't say they were boris's tears but you did say tears maybe i should have said it will end in farce but there was no way it was going to end positively i guess was ultimately my key point Mm. and it really always felt like the ultimately vince mcmahon's story is not a triumphant one I mean, when we were doing the writing the book, when we were writing the, the the idea of the screenplay for the Monday Night Wars, what I always wanted it to be was that the key thing with Vince was that he wanted to be something more than the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. And I wanted the last line of the film, you know, when it's the black screen with yeah. the white font on it saying what happened afterwards. I always wanted the last line to be, Vincent Mann will always be remembered as the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. Because that would stick in his craw. Yeah, and that's ultimately the bad ending for him. I mean, like I've said, the past 40 years of wrestling TV is is us watching someone trying to come to terms with his daddy issues. (laughs) And we can save that for another time. But a man with great flaws to his characters at best has been taken down by his own actions. Mm. To quote Dave Meltzer who was also quoting Jim Valley because he came up with the same line, Vince screwed Vince. Yeah. And that's really the most appropriate way for him to go. It almost should have been anticlimactic because it's, life isn't a predetermined match where you can go out on the right pop. No. With the finishing move. 
very few people get to choose their end well choose how they end the high points of their life so we'll stop there we'll probably come back to this several points in the future at the very least obviously we know what our mount rushmore definitive moment of 2022 is yep that 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 count is now closed (laughs) although saying that this year wrestling wise alone has has been mental so far now and now we have been given the, the royalist cherry of them all and as we've said throughout this this story is not over yet so who knows so this is ultimately redundant, as I've said with Black Swan, predicting is stupid. If anything, you should just make yourself be strongly defended against every potential outcome, mm. every potential bad outcome, rather than predicting all the good things that are going to happen. But I will give you a couple of questions. Is Triple H in charge of creative at the end of this decade, yes or no? Yes. When there are no longer co-CEOs of the company... Who is the CEO of the company? Is it Nick Khan? Or is it Stephanie McMahon? Or is it an a surprise third person? You know, they'll hold the Royal Rumble 2000 triple threat match and someone else is Hardcore Holly. <laughs> who are with co-champions China and Chris Jericho. I... My gut says Steph somehow. Although it looks unlikely at the moment. I think Nick Khan's definitely the much more savvy businessman. It it entirely depends. I I'll go Khan. I understand that. I think he knows that. Yeah, no pun intended. I think he knows how to play this game better than Stephanie. <laughs> he kind of knocked her out once. He can do it again. Mm. We still need to do our episode where we compare WWE to Succession. It's slightly. It will be. It will ring slightly differently now because Logan Roy's still in charge of the company at this point. Yeah, in Succession, but. It's still worth a lot of comparison. I mean, even Pat McAfee mentioned it. Maybe that's what Vince will do now for the next 20 years. Catch up on all the films and TV shows <laughs> he never, ever saw. I can't picture him watching telly. Have you guys heard of this show, NYPD Blue? Wow. Can you imagine what Christmas dinner's going to be like this year? All those spare hours, he's just going to spend them in the gym, isn't he? Oh, my God. What's he going to look like? Can his body take it? I mean, he already pushes it enough. Who knows? Anyway, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you to give some more observations, some more suggestions, some more opinions, some more book recommendations, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, free for the number of McMahons that Nick Khan seem, seems to have initially at least outlasted. My name's Lorca Munnam, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for acrimonious, N for non-disclosure. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. For the next episode, we will talk about ringside accomplices, assuming no five-star matches come from Meltzer in the interim. Looks like FTR Briscoe's two is more, sounding more like a four and three quarters or a four and a half from Melt. So, doesn't look like we'll be covering that, but remains to be seen. But there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name is Lorcan Mullen and my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time.
we've enjoyed a long and magnetastically fruitful relationship with Radio Fab. However, over recent months, we've found that we cannot any longer agree with the current backstab trocious policies being conducted by the new gaffer of the station, Mr. John Burke. We certainly can't. We therefore emphatically announce that hereto-forth from this date, we do most humbly resign from the aforementioned station, Radio Fab, here and after to be known as The Station. And what a great station it is! Quite literally, quite literally, the world's most pop-tabulous... Uh, except that it isn't anymore. No, no, we don't like it. So what is the nature of your disagreement with no, the management? No, you've heard our statement. We have nothing more to add at this stage. Except that, that I'd just like to add at this stage that I'm absolutely flabbergasted at being resigned. <laughs>